Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Levity, levity, donks. It is Friday. Ain't got shit to do. You might as well watch the co-host and the pilot chair on Morning Combat. My name is Brian Campbell, the, the big beige guy. You know that. The BBC rocking down with me from CBS Sports Showtime and whomever is willing to cash my checks next to me on this fine Friday, February 12th, 2021, is a man who's used up at least two of his nine lives. This weekend, in fact, at a Bacchus Hospital in Norwich, Connecticut. Uh, we know he has two weaknesses in life, big Latina booty and gallstones. It's Luke Thomas of CBS Sports. <laughs> Luke, how are you feeling, bro? A lot of people want to know. I'm fine. Uh, as fine as fine can be. I have a doctor's appointment on Tuesday with a surgeon to uh, see what they want to do about it. And uh, I got a bunch of emails from the view viewers who have also had gallstone problems, all of which recommended surgery. So it seems like I'll go that way. But uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I'm fine. Well, you, let's never forget what you did Tuesday, gutting it out for the Showtime Bellator giant announcement, uh, you know, bloody sock, the flu game, you name it. Luke was there. So a reminder to everybody, check out our fantastic content from this big announcement, including our interview series and uh, more to come, even from some of the stuff we shot the other day. But Luke, great to hear that you're back. It's an orange background. Normally Friday, we loosen it up, right? We, you know, wear the sweatpants, sometimes no pants, but you and I will be, uh, making a hard exit at the end of today's show and heading right into CBS Sports HQ territory to set the stage for what we will also do here on today's show, UFC 258. It's Usman, it's Gilbert Burns this Saturday, so excited to check that out. Luke, little bits of business to get through. I mentioned, please go back and check out the work we did together at Mohegan, but we've had, uh, you know, when we say MK all day, nearly every day, we mean it. We got an interview with Adrian Broner, The Problem, who comes back February 20th on Showtime. We got an interview with Macy Barber, who's in the co-main event on Saturday. And Luke, you just talked to a handsome gentleman just now. Can you get the people yeah, excited just about this, that? Just this morning, it'll be up after the show, but I spoke to Corey Sandhagen. was supposed to talk to him earlier in the week, but then my guts exploded. But we did manage to make it work, and we had a fun conversation. That will be out after the show. I can't wait. Love that ish right there. Uh, hey, you want to try Showtime. I know you want to do. You got a lot of reason to do it, right? It's not just boxing billions, uh, the comedy store thing where they showed a picture of Shab. There's actually a thing called Bellator MMA that's now here. So here's the deal, folks. Go to Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial for new customers. You can expand that into six additional months for what, Luke? Was it $4.99 a month? Yeah, I think that for the first six months, it's 5 bucks. I mean, you can't beat that with a bat. Hammer can't touch that, Luke. So check that out because a uh, lot, of, lot of big things. And by the coming. way, that's everything on Showtime. Like, it's not just the boxing and the MMA. It's like all of the on-demand stuff. It's the live TV. It's everything. It's, it's, it's a fantastic deal. Uh, another great deal is to go over to store.show.com and uh, not only outfit yourself in the fine products of, you know, all the smoke beneath the belt. How about Morning Combat? How about you get yours a nice look. You, it's a lot of it's shoveling season, okay? It, it's snowblower time. You want to be wearing this piece of business right here. Head on over to store.show.com. Uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. Okay, that's it. I don't want to sell you anything more, but myself, but my my body, my flesh, my art. 
Thank you. Uh, Luke, anything else before we get into the – got a big show today. A lot of, a lot of news in the, in the combat realm. No, I think it's time to get down to what we got here to do. All right. I'm having a bad hair day, Luke, okay? It's not from, you know, ill repair. It's just I didn't shower today, right? So I'm just trying to uh, – I have not showered either, so there All it right. is. There it is. Okay, we look like two drunk old white guys. Here we go. Let's start the show. USC 258 this Saturday on pay-per-view from Las Vegas. And Luke, we can say what we want about this card not being a good one, and we can and we probably will. This main event, though, fantastic. Supposed to take place last year. Delay, delay. Now we're doing it at the Welterweight Championship. Kamaru Usman looking for that third title defense against Red Hot former teammate Gilbert Burns, who's riding, what, a uh, six-fight win streak, including a 4-0 mark since moving up to welterweight. Luke, uh, I got a lot I want to talk about on this fight. Do you think anything regarding the teammate, ex-teammate thing, does that actually have an effect on how the fight plays out on Saturday? I think it does, but it's really hard to get a gauge on where it goes. I mean, I've made this point everywhere I've gone this week. I think I even said it on this show to an extent, but it bears, I think, repeating, BC, which is that two people can be training partners but that does not mean that they're equals. Uh, it probably means they're closer in ability than in further apart, right? If you've been that consistent a partner over that many years. So I'm not saying that there is a wide disparity in either case, but there could be enough of a disparity in a particular set of circumstances, whatever they may be, certain positions, certain ranges standing, whatever the looks that Burns might give them, that could be places where one has the significant upper hand over the other. The other question you have to ask yourself is to what extent can Trevor Whitman introduce, you know, new wrinkles that Gilbert Burns hasn't seen? Probably some, but that part's hard to know as well. But just to point out here, like, just because you train with a person a lot uh, steadily, even for a long time, there can be massive differences in really important ways. Still, BC, if you're Gilbert Burns or you're Kamar Usman, you have to know there were probably a couple of situations that you found yourself in with this guy that you definitely don't want to do. I tend to think that might, might close down offense, but we had Rashad Evans on the show, and he thinks it's going to make the offense, you know, even more pronounced. Um, but I do think it will play a role. The question is in which direction and in what ways, but there's no doubt in my mind it, it matters. Yeah, in some form, whether that's an advantage to Gilbert, maybe he's seen some holes in, in working and rolling with Usman, or maybe an advantage to Usman. Let's say he had regularly dominated Gilbert. You never know what is in the uh, you know the mental bank there of the history. We know Gilbert Burns is going to be a live dog. We know he's going to be hungry. I just wonder this, though, Luke. Not so much how much does the ex-teammate factor play into Saturday, but how much does the delay in this fight? This was supposed to be last July. At that time, we had seen Gilbert Burns win three fights in 10 months, including his two biggest wins to date in a two-month stretch when he was very opportunistic to kick off the start of this weird quarantine season. He stopped Damian Maya, he beat the bags off Tyron Woodley, he got the next title shot. We were like, holy crap, Luke, we've seen it in the NFL playoffs, for example. The 10-6 and six team coming in, but they're red hot, and you can play that hot hand. We've seen it at times in MMA. Sometimes, you know, the, the Conor McGregor magic. When you are that dialed in, red hot, regularly scheduling fights close to each other, sometimes you can just keep climbing. I wonder if this would have benefited Burns more had it actually taken place last summer? And does this delay help Usman from this standpoint, which you teased off the top? The Trevor Whitman factor has a potential to be huge in this fight. He was with Camaro for just a, what, a month and a half, two months ahead of that Jorge Masvidal fight. And I really saw 
Just, you know, a difference in that one. Now, you're always going to be able to say, well, Jorge took it with no, you know, long camp. We didn't get the best of him. And that's fine. I just saw a smarter, versatile, more confident Usman, if that's even possible, because this guy is a, you know, a destroyer, a ragdolling destroyer who comes in there and beats you. Now you're telling me this guy gets an additional, you know, six to nine months to work with Trevor Whitman. Luke, he's 33, Usman. He's already in the top five pound for pound. But I think he's only getting better. I think this delay, although really nobody's fault, is going to end up favoring the champion if it favors anybody. I think it could. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, skeptical is not the right word. I'm certainly entertaining the idea that not necessarily. I mean, to your point, if they had just had the one camp where he was working things out against Gilbert Burns when he had just had Trevor Whitman by his side for the first time, that probably would not have been as much of an advantage as it will be this time. On the other hand... Gilbert Burns getting an entire another camp to drill, to prep, to get his weight where he needs it to, to get his cardio where he needs it to, all of this rebuild. You know, I tend to think that actually is going to benefit him too. Now, that one still might benefit more than the other from that experience, but I don't think it's a only one can benefit from this circumstance. So I actually feel like this actually makes the fight a lot better. Matt Sarah, when St. Pierre was injured, had a whole other round of sparring, whole other round of cardio, whole other round of prep, and he said that was the thing that made him turn this corner. It could very well be the same case for someone like Gilbert Burns, but to your point, I would never deny, and I think it is absolutely true, that with now this much time under his belt, some of the things he's been working on with Trevor Whitman will really help Kamaru Usman in this contest. I think it actually elevated the fight from both sides. Yeah, it's very interesting. As William Hill, our partners, have it right now, plus 210 underdog is Burns, minus 278 favorite is Usman. So, Luke, the only time we've seen Usman... At this very elite level, and he's on an incredible, you know, unbeaten streak here in this run in the UFC. Forced, or forced might not be the right word, but we, the only time we've seen him get off of plan A, right? Plan A is to just dr drag at your gas tank, ground and pound you, keep you down there, be athletic, be versatile, just be incredible. The only time we've seen that differ was against Colby Covington. Now, that was one of those seemingly unspoken decisions they both made. They touched gloves, they didn't like each other. And they stood and banged for five rounds. Not necessarily because the wrestling ended up canceling each other out. It could have. They just never got down there. Although Gilbert Burns has a different ground game than Colby. He's more submission-based, more grapple-heavy you know, than, than the traditional takedown and stay on you. Is there a chance that the ground games cancel each other out here? Like, What are you actually expecting when this fight takes place? Well, this is where we're going to find out if there was real disparities between them in training. Right, where overall you could be the better fighter, but in one particular circumstance, you really struggled. Um, and I tend to think if there is one of those, it'll probably be somewhere on the ground where either the submission game for Gilbert really gives Kamaru problems or his submission defense and positioning is so strong, Gilbert can't even really get going. I think that's where one of those two things is likely to, is I think nearly certain to present themselves. I, know, I don't know which one, but I think one of them will. And so I actually don't, there will be parts of this fight spent widely on the feet, to your point. They're not going to go, and I think either one's going to probably be a little bit more risk-averse from that than they ordinarily would be. But I do think the fight will find its way down there. I think the fight will absolutely, one way or the other, it's going to make its way there. And what, what happens there is anybody's guess. But I'm not, I don't think this is going to be a repeat of Kamaru versus Colby. It'll be Kamaru versus Colby plus... Uh, moments on the ground, especially later if there is, in fact, an advantage for one of the participants. Well, here's how I see it, Luke. You mentioned it'll be that plus. 
if Usman can't make it plus, right? If Usman can't have large stretches of advantages on the ground where he can control the clock, keep Burns down, mix in some smart ground and pound, but still knowing what Usman's style is. I'm going to go 25 full for the most part, and I'm going to leave you, you know, a shell of yourself by the end of it. Luke, if this turns into a striking matchup because Burns makes it, then I think this goes from the idea of a 50-50 to maybe Burns having that advantage on the feet. I think it's very dangerous for Usman, even with his potential for growth with Trevor Whitman, which is huge, by the way. I mean, I'm watching a guy get better very quickly, but I like Gilbert Burns' chances a lot more if this fight can be two, three full rounds on the feet. Where do you sort of sit with that? Yeah, yeah, I think he tends to get better as he gets warmer. At least that was what we saw in the Woodley fight. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Against most fighters, the longer it goes, the more you're introducing a possibility where you could lose, right? I mean, uh, because MMA is so chaotic, round after round, you have to make sure that your ability to control for this madness stays on point, and that can be very hard to do as as the minutes expire. That does not appear to be necessarily something that Kamaru personally struggles with as much as other fighters. So I think as a general rule, you're probably right. But we may want to pump the brakes on how much it matters um, with this guy, given how good his cardio is late into the fight. I think what I'm looking for is stalemate, stalemate, stalemate. Someone's going to break through with either some kind of in-fight innovation or they're going to be able to take it back to what they knew before. And then that's going to have its way in the fight. I think they're going to be risk adverse at first, and then it's going to open up later. And um, who that benefits, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess, you know, what I'm saying really ultimately is if if Burns, whether it comes through the form of takedown defense, whether it comes through the form of counter-striking to prevent the takedown, or making sure his grappling ability makes a statement in this fight, making, you know, trying to look like a submission threat early to give Usman pause, I think... The chance for winning for the challenger here is by knockout. But at, that, at the end of the day, though, who knocks out Kamaru Usman? Who hurts him, Luke? I just can't pick against the champ until I see plan B or plan A get failed, right? Until I see him have to rely on a plan B. Now, it was easier against Colby. I, I, I hate to use the word easier because that was a that was a war. That was five rounds of hell. But it was sort of like two guys that are much better grapplers than they are strikers, just bit down and went for it. And that's great. I don't think Usman can do that against Burns, but I'm not really sure Burns can prevent being on his back. And if Usman can get these takedowns, Luke, it's just a cardio machine. He mauls you. He's sometimes even better at just keeping you in position and, and rotating and keeping you down there than, than finishing you. But that grinds on a fighter over rounds. I can't pick against the champ yet because, Luke, I think he's still getting better. This is a very, very good fighter who maybe doesn't get the full respect he deserves. No, he definitely doesn't get the respect he deserves because he hasn't been much of a finisher. And that really is sort of what is an easy way to garner attention. And understandably, like, you know, you want to talk to the guys and you get amazed by the guys or the ladies who go out there and put people away. Uh, and Kamaru isn't necessarily that guy, but you know, to have this kind of an advantage seemingly over the rest of the division, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. But presuming he can, you know, maintain, um, you know, we're talking about a guy who is, you know, it's the same like Alexander Volkanovsky on the feet. Now he can put guys away, but in terms of like Aldo and, and Holloway, um, you know, he has, he can only take them the distance. He's not really built to beat them in that kind of a way. Well, maybe Kamaru's that, but that's a hard, hard, hard thing to beat. You know, if you can just win rounds because your whole game is built around that, 
man, that's a tough thing to take someone out of. So anybody who gets even close to that deserves some respect. And, you know, Gilbert Burns certainly has his work cut out for him. Luke, if I to close here, if I was on the fence, if I was loving Gilbert and feeling, I, I just feel like it's his time. What do you need to see out of him to 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 give that person betting the betting the dog here, uh, you know, some hope? Is there something early you need to see? What is the what is yeah, the ultimate key? This is pretty simple, really. Um, there's a lot of things he could do. The thing you want to focus in on is what he should not be doing. If he is constantly now, at times, no big deal, but if he is constantly backing up if he is constantly on the back foot if he is constantly in that warning track outside the two black lines that's not to say that's not to say he can't win that's going to be a very hard way for him to win uh, in a similar vein um you know if he's defending takedowns in the open i don't know if that's the biggest deal in the world but if he's constantly up against the fence literally pressed against it and he's defending underhooks there remember uspin might whiff on more than half of those it doesn't matter. He just needs you in that position. So to me, it's a question of where does Kamaru do the best work? He literally pressures into guys all the time, backing him up. That's just a staple of that style they have down there at Sanford MMA. And then he does his best wrestling work with the person pressed against the fence. He really needs that over time to do the kinds of things that he does. Well, what happens if you remove those two conditions? Well, we don't know because we've never seen Kamaru Usman put into that. But I would have to imagine if you take those away meaningfully, he's going to struggle. That's the task, I think, that Gilbert Burns has. And for anyone cynically saying, you know, let's not overblow the Trevor Whitman factor. The guy's not, not walking on water. He's just a coach. You know, has he turned everyone into a world-class elite? Well, no, no one's going to be 100%. But if you give him someone who was already a champion, who has world-class athleticism and cardio and a grind mentality, he's only going to make him better. This is only going to get better for Kamaru Usman, Luke. So uh, I think that will factor in huge, that relationship. Shout-out to Coach Whitman there. Um, yeah, he wasn't able to turn around, you know, second chapter of Rashad Evans, but, you know, he's a, he is a miracle worker just the same. All right, Luke? Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Luke, I care about this co-main event a lot. It's not a deep card. Let's be very honest about that. But this is a very important bout in the women's flyweight division when Macy Barber returns for the first time since early 2020. The first loss to Roxanne Matafuri, the ACL injury, the layoff, all that. But she's not going in soft, Luke. Alexa Grasso is coming in and coming in as a slight betting favorite at the moment. Minus 125, Macy Barber 100. First and foremost, Luke, did the odds makers get it right in your eyes? I think maybe they did. I think there's a lot of people who may have naturally assumed that Barber would come in with the... Um, and again, in some places it's a straight-up pick but to your point, there are more places where Barber is an underdog. Barely, but she's an underdog. Um, I, I tend to think it's appropriate because she talked a big game and she was doing really well, to be to her credit, but she didn't just lose to Motafari and have the injury. Even before the injury in the Motafari fight, which happened relatively early in the fight, but she still didn't look great. There were still things you're like, eh, there's some developmental issues here. Now, she is insanely young. Okay, let's give credit where credit is due. And she's shown a tremendous amount of ability. But if you're asking, you know, what is she going to come in here off of an injury, off of a layoff against an opponent who, you know, has struggled at times, but can be a decent stick and mover, especially behind the jab. Yeah, that might be a bit of an uphill climb. I tend to think this is a very winnable fight for Macy Barber. But I, I understand some of the skepticism. And again, odds are also created in a way to induce betting. So maybe putting her just as the slight underdog 
was a way to get folks to be like, oh, uh, here's some money I'd like to jump on. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a great fight on paper and a close one. So I talked to Macy Barber this week for Morning Combat. I encourage everyone to check that out. And Luke, I get the mentality. And we talk about this a lot of a fighter. You have to be part con man. You have to be part, you know, motivational speaker for yourself. You got to do a lot of things to trick yourself into not believing negative hype against you, not believing that a loss ruins you, not believing your own fears, which, by the way, hit every fighter, right? I mean, you know, Rashad Evans has talked so many times about that last sort of hour before you walk to the cage. You want to throw up? You want to quit? You want to run away? I mean, you're going in there to fight. So I get that. But Macy Barber is all about, you know, that loss only happened against Matafari because of the injury. And I think there, there's, you know, it's one thing to say that. Maybe that's just her public thing to say to keep herself fired up and, and not really stress on that loss. But I hope behind the scenes her and her team actually are going through that tape moment by moment, second by second. Because she didn't look good on the ground to what you're saying before the injury. She just didn't look... I don't know if that moment was too big because let's not forget she was 21 at the time and because the women's flyweight division is so shallow, it gotten, it's gotten a little deeper since then, by the way, in the last year with Jess Andrade and others, you know, sort of making their their mark. But at that point, she was going to get Valentina Shevchenko next if she won. I mean, it, it was going to happen and Luke, she probably would have got dominated and she did say, look, uh, I would have beat Shevchenko then, but I'm going to be even in a better spot to beat her now. And again, I love the confidence. I'm not here to tell Macy Barber, you can't do this. But I am here to tell her, Luke, you got to understand the growth period and mistakes and what you need to bounce back from. I'm hearing somebody almost a little too cocky who's, uh, you know, it's not that she's disrespecting Alexa Grasso, but who's talking like this is a formality. I'm going to get through Grasso. Then I'm going to be Joanne Calderwood and then give me Shevchenko. And oh, by the way, I'm not afraid of her. I see it holes. I, Jennifer Maya exposed her. Like these are all things. Yeah. Fire yourself up in the mirror. But Luke, I went back and watched the video I did with her. And I'm like, she missed it. Are we, is she missed. Did she know? Did she see the tape of that? Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Uh, there's a thin line between the right kind of pump yourself up and outright delusion. It's not as clear cut as people might imagine it to be. And I'm not here to say one or the, is the other with her. Dude, she could go there and beat the brakes off Alexa Grasso. In fact, I think there's a decent chance she might. Decent chance anyway. You know, a good chance, but a decent chance. In which case, you know, all of that bravado is, in, is uh, frankly necessary to do the kinds of things that she wants to do. But it can also get you, if you're not, if you're really not on the level, it'll get you into trouble because you'll get far enough along until you reach a buzzsaw and then, you know, you're going to get turned into uh, whatever the metaphor is supposed to be that I'm torturing at this point. But you get the idea. You could lead yourself into trouble like this or you can lead yourself into victory. And it's hard to know which which is which when you have the similar kind of feeling. There's just no way to know until you face another person who can let you know whether or not those feelings um, and the self-assessment was correct. So this is a big one, man. I agree with you. This is a big one. This was somebody who had a lot of hype coming off the Contender Series. They were doing great work. She, remember, she wanted a bunch of fights before she got injured with Paige Van Zant, so she knew how to like manipulate the space a little bit to like, you know, get get as much maximum attention as possible. I think she probably also liked her chances in that. So she's smart. She's savvy. She's pretty self aware. But we're gonna see if there's any limits to that against someone who, you know, um, again, Alexa Grasso is a flawed competitor. She's not perfect. But she does a lot of things very fundamentally, 
And I wonder if those are going to be a huge problem for Barber. We're going to have to yeah, see. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm starting to really feel uh, like Grasso's the wrong opponent to not have the perfect mindset and realize maybe your own strengths and weaknesses. And again, I'm judging Macy on one interview, right? It could be completely overblown. And to your to what you said, they're, you know, they're the same height, basically the same reach. Barber, she can bang, Luke. If she can get in there and stop Grasso for all we know, and then it's, you know, let's move on, big things ahead. But Grasso, with that boxing ability, with that toughness, Luke, she moves well. I mean, that's somebody who could hang around for three rounds, and then it comes down to usually one swing round who did the most work, you know? And if it goes that distance, I'm really going to like Grasso's chances in this one. I mean, that's why... You match tough. Uh, we want to find out who who Barbara is. But I will say this about Barbara. You know, she's polarizing, yes, almost purposely because she's so cocky and just puts it out there. Uh, I respect that. I respect that she goes out there and just talks a big game and believes in herself. It makes her more fun to watch. Uh, I, You know, a lot of us, it's like catnip seeing somebody with so much ridiculous confidence just throwing it out there. So uh, let's see if she can do it. Um do you have any belief, Luke, that she can break the John Jones record? She told me she's still on pace to do it. She would uh, reach John Jones's age when he won the UFC title at, what, 23? I think she said in February or March of next year. So she's got nine, ten months to do this. She said her plan is win Saturday, beat Joanne Calderwood, and then get Shevchenko before that deadline. Luke, if you had to give a percentage chance, one to a hundred, that she can become the youngest UFC champion, knowing who's the boss at the end of this video game. What is your percentage? Low. <laughs> Low. You know, and I don't mean it to be insulting or disparaging. It's not what I'm saying it for. It's just, buddy, that's a hill to climb. You know, uh, something's going to have to go wrong with Shevchenko before they get her. You know, she's going to have to age or make some kind of, re- you know, like, Shevchenko doesn't make many errors. You know, does she do everything that she needs to do to win? Well, I mean, so far the Nunes fight's notwithstanding, yes. But like, does she like make a? Or like, oh, how could she make that bonehead? She doesn't make errors, you know. And so she has to fight someone that makes her make errors. Um, I think Macy Barber is talented and on her way, and may in, in fact end up being a weight class champion. But in that time frame, no, I'm extremely skeptical. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, Luke. As we look up and down this card, what has you? The most interested as a fan on this undercard. Two of um, I'm not. I mean, the undercard is kind of hibbity hoobity. It's not that money. Uh, Jim Miller, Bobby Green looks like it's kind of fun. Also, the return of Adolfo Vieira against uh, Anthony Hernandez. Pretty excited about that. Uh, and then Miranda Maverick against Jillian Robertson. Miranda Maverick's kind of an intriguing character. I wanted to see more from her. All right, I'm in on that, Luke. I am hella down with this Kelvin Gastelum Ian Heinish fight, a featured fight at middleweight. Uh, here's the deal, Luke. It's kind of it's not win or go home, but it's win or be or be an also ran or be an average guy for Gastelum, considering he's on a three fight losing skid, lost four or five. But as we know, Luke, it's all against elites. But yet he's always giving us the flashes of brilliance, followed by the ho hum performance. So. I like his chances a ton in this one. I think the pressure of having to win and remind everybody who he is, Gesslem's only 29. He's only freaking 29, Luke. He's been so feast or famine. But I think that pressure is going to lift him to, to you know, maybe not being the exact guy who walked in there against Israel Adesanya and went to hell and back and nearly, you know, nearly finished the, the, the guy who's the champ now. Nearly had had big moments there. Um I just think Heinish isn't good enough to, to where he's going to st- make him stumble. I love Heinish's backstory, Jurassic back. The guy can wrestle. I cheer for him when he's in there, Luke. 
But you're telling me Gastelum's going to come in with a purpose? That that movement, the big left hand, he can wrestle if he has to. Uh, I think this is the bet for the for the card. Bet big on Gastelum. I think he's going to win big. Bro, we got to move this along if you want to get done by 1220. Well, Luke, I, I am the maestro on Fridays. I am I'm just the, saying, we're not going to make it at this pace. Just let you know. Luke, for once... Just relax. Just take the fear off, okay? Just just, just be the analyst, all right? Okay, buddy. I'm just letting you know. All right. Let's just no-sell it. Okay, that's great. <laughs> hey, it was, good, it was good talking to you, Luke, about that important middleweight fight. Yes, it's um, a fine middleweight fight. It's not that yeah. interesting, but yes, I agree. It, it, Gastelum would be in a bad place if you lost it. I mean, there's just no denying that. Yeah, so. it's, it's, that's, why, that's why people go to your Twitter account instead of the show, Luke, because they get the better stuff first. Uh, Luke, right. also, uh, Bilal Muhammad, Diego Lima, probably going to bang, so check that out. Yes. Hey, let's move the show along so Luke, uh, so I don't activate Luke's gall, all right? That's right. Hey, big news in the UFC, Luke. That fight you wanted to see in March, remember that fight? What was it? Uh, Tony versus Habib. No, no, the other cursed fight, Hamzat Shemaev versus Leon Edwards, will not take place in just a little over a month like we thought. Luke Kamzat has, uh, according to the reports, continued COVID symptoms and, and follow-ups and things that are bad that have to do with him contracting that. Luke, separate from the, oh my God, this fight is off again, Are you? Are, should we be worried here, Dr. Fauci? Like, what's going on with Hamzat? This is a guy who's ready to take over the sport. Well, uh, I don't know. So let's not exaggerate any potential threat. Uh, or seriousness for things that we don't have information about. Um, but it should not surprise anyone that, you know, again, um, COVID is not the flu. It is a, uh, it is a, the flu times, you know, are uh, elevated orders of magnitude greater than what you know it to be. You know, this is, it's not a fucking game. And some people have it. And as we know, nothing happens. Some people get it and they die. And then some people live, but then they live with lingering consequences. COVID long haulers is what they call them. Now, what exactly is going wrong with Kamzat Shemaev? I do not know. Maybe it was a case where he lost a bunch of weight and he's okay, but he needs time to put it back on. That could be a thing as well. I mean, there's any number of things that could be not a big deal long-term, but enough of a short-term derailment that they couldn't go forward with this plan. All I know is, it's yeah, it's not a joke, man. It's not a joke at all. So, um, you know, seeing Cody Garbrandt go on uh, Food Truck Diaries talking about his vertigo that he would get for days at a time that was COVID-related and blood clots and everything else, he had a hard-ass time. That's not the norm, but that is a reality. So let's hope that Kamzat Shemaev does not suffer too much longer. Let's hope it's not that serious. But at this point, you know, while I am thinking about Kamzat Shemaev's health, if you're Leon Edwards, you got to be asking yourself, Jesus Christ, man, what do I got to do to get into the octagon to actually compete against somebody else? We're now almost a year, BC, from his day uh, that was supposed to be last March against Tyron Woodley for UFC London. We're almost a year to that point, which by itself was already delayed from a moment he should have had following his win over Dos Anjos. This dude has had the worst luck possible. and um, Well, that's why, Luke, he is looking crazy. to stay on the card. Uh, Dana talked to Brett Okamoto and said, Sean Shelby's on it right now. They're trying to get a replacement. Leon wants to stay on. His management told Ariel yesterday, Luke, that they are pitching out that the replacement for Kamzat would be Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington, or Nate Diaz. Luke? Do you love any of those three more than the others? Which is the he's, most likely? He's not, I mean, going, Nate, he's not going to get any of those three, and you know it. We can't sub in Nate Diaz here? You, 
Why would Nate take that fight? Nah, he I mean, on he what planet would he take that fight? Nah, he wouldn't take that fight. No, I oh. understand what he's doing. Hey, shoot your shot, right? Closed mouth, don't get fed. Okay, fine. But you're not going to get any of those fights. And he's going to end up settling for someone who's probably much less of a challenge. But at least he gets to stay active, for crying out loud, which is a yeah, small victory. Yeah, it's not going to be Wonder Boy. He's hurt. So I don't know what they're going to do here. But this would this could be one of those panic situations, though, where you throw money. But then again, it's a fight night main event. We'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Speaking of Nate, Luke, he did a much-publicized sit-down with Ariel Hawani for the first time since 2019 and said a lot of weird shit. Uh, Luke, can I tell you something? You know I love the Diaz's. I think they've been under-marketed and utilized by the UFC. I know they're difficult to deal with, but they are the people's champs. They are the people. They're hilarious. They're all this stuff. Luke, I think I'm losing the charm. I tried to watch that interview. It was a lot of bungled bullshit. You know, no, the lightweight division's dead. Nobody there has anything for me. But I would fight Doe Bronx because he's a winner like me. So I only fight winners. What the hell are you talking about, Nate? Luke, did you hear this thing at all? I feel like the, uh, that thing that was cool about him is now getting friggin' annoying. Like, are you going to fight? If you're going to fight, fight, bro. If not, what are we doing here? Like, it, it's so painful. Like, the people that don't like your live chat, they're like, Luke, spit out the analysis already, all right? Hey, Nate, just say it, bro. That one-hour interview could have been two minutes long, Luke. Are you saying I'm Nate Diaz on my live chats? I'm not saying that the people are. I'm just again, I'm I'm a messenger. No, the people of the aren't people. saying that. No. Dumbasses are saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, what can we say about Nate Diaz? Look, he's blown his shit. Not in a fun way. The dude's just blown, bro. Like he's he's no longer fun for you. Yeah, he's just like it's it's. Uh, I don't know. You know, like uh, the, the it's there's a lot of just delusional stuff coming out of his mouth regarding the fights he may have won or lost. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a lot of this, like, really? What are we doing here? Uh, I mean, isn't that what you guys love is guys giving you bravado and saying, like, you love fake news. People just saying, you know, random shit and then amplifying it. Don't you love that? It's just a lot of talk over a long period of time <laughs> with Nate and, and not much happening. Luke, isn't okay? that boxing? That is boxing. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> your first, your first and most serious love. <sighs> what, what was that, Manich? We have audio. Oh, show us the tweet. NDA soldier one seventy, come get you some of the real. We've seen that, but we have a response from Poirier. A fight closer to my natural weight sounds like a great idea. Well, look. Some people that think that would be the that would be uh, him talking about the Nate fight. But Luke, let's be realistic here. For everything that uh, Nate said to Ariel, he ain't getting the Dustin Poirier fight. Why, Luke? Because all signs are pointing to Uncle Dana making Connor Dustin three, yeah. but not for the title. Luke, this is getting weird and interesting. Okay, let me set this the stage here. Uh, Nurmagomedov Khabib did do a scrum in russia with, with, with the media there here's what he said i wouldn't say poirier and mcgregor disappointed me but they showed nothing supernatural i fought with poirier nothing special it's the same with connor i believe now that poirier deserves to be a champion that's my opinion and blah 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 he went on to say luke what he said all along that he's not coming back to fight right but that hasn't stopped uncle dana <laughs> i bet it hasn't who gave an interview with Brett Okamoto, and here's the results. 
I saw some talk that Dustin should be the champion, said Dana. Well, Dustin just got smoked by Habib. Connor got smoked by Habib. Gaethje got smoked. They're going to have to fight it out. The number one through seven ranked lightweights will fight this thing out. We'll find out who the champ is. It's the best way. Nobody can deny when Habib does step away who the best in the division because they will all have fought each other. And Habib can say whatever he wants. Habib can say whatever he wants. I believe if this thing plays out and the right guy, however the fights happen, Habib will fight him. I truly believe that. When you've got two guys, Dustin is ranked one in the world, and Connor wants this trilogy so badly, you do it. Uh, Luke, he was then questioned, isn't Habib telling you that he's retiring? Why are we stretching this out? And he said, Habib's not meeting with me for no reason. Mm. He'd say, what's the point? I love you, thank you, but we don't need to meet. And he hasn't said that, has he? End quote. So, Luke, Uncle Dana, who said Habib will never hold up the lightweight division. Habib's not trying to hold up the lightweight division. Dana, you are, is now saying Connor and Dustin are going to fight a trilogy next because Connor wants it so badly and because none of these guys have proven they can beat Habib. Habib's retired, dude. <laughs> Luke, what is happening? Dude, this is literal. I mean, the fake newsist angle ever i'm not even blaming you for it it's just i uh dude dana's amazing it's like did you guys not see during covid when the government was like no we're not going to sanction shows well you know what i'm gonna go around the government to get shows get you know done and then eventually you know uh disney came crashing down on him and he didn't do it for at least three weeks and then then they went to back to the government my point being is this is a dude who just doesn't take no for an answer even when the answer is in fact, no. So listen, is it? Well, I'll, I will maintain the same posture, BC, same energy. They always say when this comes out of Nurmagomedov's mouth that he's ready to come back. Okay, I will believe it. I will believe Nurmagomedov when he says, folks, I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm all in. Whether it's tomorrow or a year from now or whenever that may be, fine. But if it's just Dana telling me what Habib said, or Dana telling us what he thinks is still in play. Fake news. Don't care about it. A guy who has officially lied on the record, not interested in it whatsoever. So to me, this is just playing fucking games with the division. And Poirier is your champ, and we're just not going to crown him, which to me is a travesty. But, you know, so, I don't get paid to make decisions. It's like, it's crazy because... You're, you have to believe that Dana's willing to just kind of risk and ruin everything for that one hope that, that, that Habib comes back for one big money fight. And that sounds stupid because this is such a historically deep division. We kind of need to sort things out. And it sounds stupid because it's one fight. But Luke, if he's going to make the Dustin Connor trilogy, is this telling us that, that Dana still can't get over the idea that I will not sleep? until Connor Habib 2 is made because that's my lottery ticket to define this decade and this era. That's the biggest fight in history. So I will do everything I can, which means not crown Poirier and give Connor one more chance to best him in the rankings. So then I could go to Habib, offer him the 50 million or whatever the life-changing sum is and have that final time where Habib looks him in the eyes and says, do you want me to smash you? Because what the hell are we doing here, bro? Um, Poor Poirier, Luke. This is the, the fear that we had ahead of the fight, ahead of the Conor rematch, when we said Dana's kind of dropping the ball by not making this a title bout, right? 
you could have Conor McGregor as your champion on Saturday. Well, Conor lost, Luke. And the one thing I'd said, is this because Dana doesn't want Poirier as champion? Doesn't think it's marketable enough when he could have Habib or Conor? Is, is this what's happening, Luke? No, it is because, by the way, did you see Mikey saying we got to move along here? It's not me just imagining it. But to Bro, answer your question. I got question, the time. I got the timeline in my head. I'm on it. I'm on all right, it. Right, all right. right? But uh, to answer the question, to make it clear, uh, I don't think it's necessarily that. The bigger issue is if Habib is done at the same time that McGregor is flagging, you're not just missing out on one big payday. You're missing out on uh, potentially a future where this guy could be headlining fights for years and you making money off that. So if Connor is going to flag, getting one more out of it with Habib is probably what they're trying to do here rather than just have a series of smaller ones. But, you know, that it requires McGregor showing up which to win, which he didn't, and it requires Habib being interested, which he matter-of-factly is not. Dude, if I'm Team Dustin, Luke, I'm like, what the frick is... What else do Seriously. I have to do? What else do I have to do, bro? Seriously, what am I doing here? What what are we doing here? Okay, you think I need to rush to to get to? No, I got this, bro. Okay, I got Dana. This is my Luke. This is my show. I got this on Fridays. All right, no J Fridays. Uh, Luke, we sat down with Patricio Pitbull, free AD, the great two division Bellator champion, on Tuesday among some fantastic interviews we were able to pro procure through the Showtime Bellator relationship. Luke, I wanted to throw to some sound of the best nuggets here from Patricio. We never really got a chance to react to these. Let's go to the videotape. Your brother has this too. You guys fight with a chip on your shoulder, like an anger. Somebody talks trash about you at the press conference. You're like, you look over with anger. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like that fuels you? Or are yeah, you fueled yeah, by yeah. anger? Always, uh, we want to kill someone in the ring. <laughs> so they Fair want enough. to face us. <laughs> they know we are violent, but they are still coming forward. So let's kill. Uh, we're going to talk about you and your great career, and you got a great fight coming up, but one of your old foes, Michael Chandler, just had a big moment with the UFC. Do you give him a, a tip of the cap, or do you say, I knocked you out, brother? Oh, yeah, Michael Chandler was fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I won this ad in my... There we have uh, it. Luke, you have to love the bravado, the, the savagery, the hilariousness of him, and we, we definitely uh, reacted to that when we did our room service diaries that hopefully people have checked out. I wanted to just talk about the actual fight implications here. The big thing he dropped later in the interview was that he thinks he can make 135. He walks around at 165. He thinks going down to Bantamweight can happen, and he could be, Luke, the first Bellator three-division champion. If so, are you a believer that this is smart? That he could do this? There's a guy wearing that belt, Juan Archuleta, who he beat a year and a half ago. Do you like this move for him? I'll tell you what. If he can make the weight, not merely safely, but competitively, where he can still be the Patricio you know him to be, more or less, at 145 or 155, then yes, I am in favor of it. I said this yesterday in my live chat. You're probably going to see someone become a triple champ in our time in a major organization, but it will probably be someone, BC, I'm sure you would agree with this, somewhere where the weight classes are 10 pounds apart. You know, if you're trying to go from 170 to 185 to 205, that's so much weight, you know, between the guys. I don't know if you could do that, but if it's just 125 to 135 to 145, you know, or 135 to 155, and you're sort of in a tweener space, that gets kind of interesting. So I would say if he can make it, if he can make it and he can fight like normal or normal-ish, he should do it. He should become the first one to get three. He's already been something pretty special for Bellator. That would, even, even as much as he's done, BC, that would take it to another level.
We had a great joke about his, uh, you know, training partner and, and friend uh, Henry Cejudo saying, no, we are friends, but he knows I'm the best. He knows I would beat him, too. So, Luke, let's talk quick, quick about pound for pound. Most people's lists are dominated by the UFC. You know, Demetrius Johnson may appear on there, but but no one else. You know, maybe Roy McDonald there was for a minute, but no one else really, okay? Where does Pitbull actually belong right now? And we asked him, by the way, and he said, because GSP and Habib is retired, he is the last man standing. He's the best mm-hmm. in the world. Where, realistically, where should he be in the top 10 right now? And what would a third title in a third weight class do for him, like, legitimately being on the same level as John Jones, Habib, Adesanya? Yeah, well, if you can get a third title, that would, wherever he is, it would bump him up. So currently, your top five is Kamaru, Stipe, Israel Adesanya, and then John Jones. Seven is Poirier, Holloway, Figueredo, and Jan. I mean, he's definitely ahead of, I would say, um, so he's certainly top six, top seven. You could probably put him in your top five. And if he wins three titles, you know, he's top three or even more at that point. You know, that, that would just be, and the reason is I could rank him higher. But I think there's still some proving that has to get done to really let us know the full depth of his abilities. But um, he's a bare minimum number seven. Bare minimum. I'll put it that way. And he did double down and said his brother Patriki is more deserving than anyone for a lightweight title shot. So he said he would give up the belt to make it go vacant, vacant Excuse me, to, to let his brother, the, the older Pitbull, uh, vie for that, Luke. That could be an interesting scenario, especially if Patriki then loses and you got Pitbull coming back to avenge the family. Uh, they do a good job at avenging losses. As, as he said, that, that knockout of Chandler was for his big bro, who, let's not forget, Luke got sent to hell while he was wearing that porn mustache against, uh, against Chandler. You remember that, Patriki? Yes, yes, I do. Sorry, sorry, Luke. I know you're so worried about the damn damn clock. All right. Uh, let's keep the discussion going, Luke. Uh, big news out of Star Wars. Uh, the Mandalorian. Gina Carano, former female <laughs> MMA pioneer, right, Luke? She got hot fired from the show, uh, and it's streaming. It's 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 all extending back to the tweet from a few days ago. She, or, or sorry, the Instagram live, you know, meme that she put up, which was essentially suggesting that being a conservative in 2021 is somehow similar to being uh, a Jew during the Holocaust. So, Luke, that was obviously met with uh, horrific reactions. And then we find out that Disney has had issues with her tweeting for a few months and was ready to launch a spinoff show with her as the star, but decided not to. Luke, now they've cut ties altogether. I'm not here to get your take on how ill-advised and in a bad comparison it was. This is horrible. I mean, come on. But do you think she should have been fired? Is this what, 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 what any public figure is up against in 2021? Because from her side, from the far right, it's, it's a violation of free speech. It's a lot of different things. Look, it was an abhorrent meme at the end of the day, okay? Uh, should you lose it all for that, Luke? I have mixed feelings about it. I have mixed feelings. On the one hand, can we just obviously say that Gina Carano's understanding of politics is about as as about as vacuous and empty as a person could be and be an adult human. It's like the lowest of the low is the level at which she treads in political knowledge. It is, it is uh, astonishing to witness that. So it's like, how are you going to, I mean, whether or not you should have been fired is one question, but if you're going to get fired, it wasn't like she took like principled scholarly stances. (laughs) She just reheated fuckboy memes and then put them back out there and then had to take the L. It's like, dude, you lost your career over this shit. 
Like, wow, way to, way to go to the mat for the lowest common denominator of nothing. But okay, if that's what you want to do. I mean, here's the problem, basically, that, I, that it comes down to. It's like, uh, do we want to care this much what the, po- the politics of our various celebrities and acclaimed actors and musicians are? Like, one thing we get out of MMA is that they can be basically think crazy shit, but if they can win in the cage then who cares? And I, I sort of prefer that on one level. On the other level, it's like, yeah, well, also, this is a society in MMA and in combat sports generally that welcomes mobsters and frauds and you know charlatans and every other kind of malcontent into their world without really doing a whole lot of due diligence and we're surrounded by it. Maybe there should be a few more screens put in place. I think the thing that's really interesting to me about the whole thing is that, like, you know, does this make The Mandalorian better? Uh, probably not. So there's a question about what you want to do there. The question that I think is really central, BC, is, is what she... And by the way, am I really offended? Like, people said that her thing was anti-Semitic, the comparison to Nazi uh, Germany. Well, it was a stupid comparison, but it wasn't anti-Semitic. She did not have hatred toward the Jews in there as built in. She was fumbling in the dark for an appropriate metaphor or analogy, but that wasn't anti-Semitic. But the key is this. It's like, is what she shared, not just this time, but about anti-mask rhetoric and the election being stolen and sympathy for QAnon ideas, is that conservatism or is that something that's just far right outside of conservatism? And the reason why that question is important is because how you answer it gives you a pretty keen indication of whether or not Disney was in their right mind. If you go out there in any job and you get on Facebook or Twitter and you start as a white guy, I don't know, sharing N-word jokes and how much you love racist organizations, dude, your your, your employer's probably going to have something to say about that. You're going to get fired. You're not going to get a lot of sympathy. Clearly, there is a limit to what you can share. So the question you have to ask yourself is, is are those views, is that mainstream conservatism or is that fringe stuff being led from the far right? If it's the latter, I'm a lot less concerned about her losing her job. If it's the former, then yeah, that's a bit of a problem for losing her job. On the other hand, what does that tell you about um, the normalcy of far-right ideologies at this moment in time. So, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah, You know, I don't want to live in a cancel culture where where someone's bad take or even broken, hurtful opinion causes them to be like a criminal and lose everything. I don't want to be there, but I don't think this is what actually happened, Luke. I think there was, you know, uneasiness with Disney from what we're hearing beforehand, and this was sort of like the final straw, the reason that allowed them to just cut ties. And I think that is in play, Luke. Like, if you started posting... Big, you know those big booty Latinas that you post in my DMs and I just no-sell them? If yeah. you started posting that every single day on Twitter and Instagram, Luke, your employer might say, hey, Luke, not really the image that we'd like to put out for, for CBS and Showtime, right? And Luke, you would be understanding that if you did that free speech move a few more times, right? Showed somebody just dancing with a thong on, right? And just shaking that thing. You know, by the third time, they may go, hey, Luke, you know... You're going to be gone, bro. This is not the representation of the company we want. I look at this as more of that than any form of like, you know, is this, a, this is against free speech? Well, no, like when you when you are in this, these roles and you're representing companies, there's language in contracts like this for a reason about how you represent them. So I don't think this was a one strike and over. I think this was just they they're like, this is not the person we want. And that was the deal. And it was unfortunate, Luke, and it makes her look really bad. But. She did it, bro. So, uh, Luke, is it more likely that she ends up back in the Star Wars universe or back in a fighting cage one more time? Back in a fighting cage. This was an epically stupid move. And to your point, it's like, 
it wasn't like one tweet that got her fired. This was, you know, they, she, she was warned. I guarantee it. She knew she was up against it. And again, it's like, dude, you're going to lose a lifetime of star Wars because you think this fucking election was rigged. Seriously. That's the, I'm being dead serious. When I say this, that's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Can you imagine winning the lottery and you throw it away because you think real money is in bubblegum wrappers and not actual dollar bills? That's you. How fucking broken is your brain that you have to do that? It is honestly, and I, I could not be more serious. That is that is a pitiable thing that she just did. Luke, December two thousand twenty-one, Corano versus Rousey in the Octagon. How many pay-per-view buys? Two, two mil. Two, damn. Two mil for sure. That, two mil. That could make Rousey a hero again, right? If she beats up the... Uh... It could make Carano a hero again, honestly. People don't... like. It's not like MMA is mad at her. MMA is mad at Rousey. They're not mad at Carano. You know, most of us all supporting her. So, uh, no, I think, it, I think it could make Ronda the hero again, depending on how things went and how she handled it. But it also, to me, is like Carano could get a shitload out of that. Yeah. Hey, Luke, our final topic of the week is a little bit of interesting stuff going on in boxing with rising star and unified lightweight champion Teofimo Lopez Jr. So here's the deal, Luke. He has agreed to uh, defend his title, one of his titles, in a mandatory against the fellow we talked about a few weeks ago, unbeaten Australian George Camposos Jr. Decent fighter, but this ain't a big deal. It's a mandatory, Luke. So here's what happened. All reports, and this is some good reporting from Mike Coppinger at The Athletic, that when Teofimo Lopez was about to fight Lomachenko, they went into negotiation and added some things and changed his contract. What happened was there was language in there that if he beat Lomachenko, the minimum offer top rank could offer him for a fight would be raised from 105000 to something like $1.25 million, right, Luke? So this is a pretty damn big jump. He upset Lomachenko. He's a rising star now, 23 years old and all that. So top rank goes to offer him the money for this fight, and they offer him the dead minimum of $1.23 million or whatever it was. And he and his team have turned it down. So here's what's going to happen. This is what happens, Luke, when the promoter can't come to an agreement with its own fighter or the other promoter to make a deal. They have a purse bid. Right now, this purse bid is set for February 18th. And each promoter and network can put in a bid. It's a blind bid. You get one bid. And the highest offer gets to promote and televise the card. This is fairly interesting for the long-term health of Teofimo and his relationships with both Top Rank and ESPN. If this gets allowed to go to the purse bid, and then you could have Eddie Hearn and DAZN. You could have Al Heyman and Showtime or Fox. You could have anyone blindly throwing in a bid. And they get one of the biggest stars in boxing fresh off of the uh, upset of Lomachenko in a, in a fight. So it's going to be interesting because quotes from Bob Arum in that athletic story were, you know, fairly negative, fairly saying, look, we're not going to overpay here. All right. You know, this is the minimum, but the minimum is pretty damn big here. This is not an important or exciting fight. It's a mandatory to hear Bob say that, Luke, I get a little nervous from this factor. Bob built up Floyd Mayweather and then lost him over money. Bob built up Oscar and then lost him over money. Bob's about to lose Terrence Crawford over, you know, their their relationship going sour. Um, is this the right stance for Bob to take, knowing that there's no live gate, knowing that, yeah, this fight is not massive, but wouldn't you want this guy back on ESPN at all costs, Luke? Uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of get both positions here. I understand Bobby, like, I'm not going to overpay for what it is. I, I understand that. 
But if you're Teofimo Lopez and you just beat Lomachenko and now you're entitled to these greater purses contractually, uh, I understand his position. He's not going to go backwards either, and or at least what he feels to be backwards anyway. And I understand this position totally. It, it's a great opportunity for another organization, or I should say another network maybe, to get a, a fight with Lopez, which would not be great, but you get Lopez just the same. The thing that blows me away is the one you indicated. It's like, dude, Aram, it's not surprising to me that he took the position. It's the lack of grace that he took it with and the hardline stance that he took it with about a guy who, you know, this is a guy who needs to get promoted. Not that he is lacking, but he, this is a great time to build on what you already have. And your first order of business is to maybe let him fight for a rival in certain ways, you know, or like a rival network or something. It's uh, Bob's a strange one. He's a strange one. Well, his reaction was that, you know, if you're DAZN or you're Showtime or Fox and you go to pay for this guy, well, I'm going to bring in their viewers after they watch him beat Cambosos and then come back to my network. The real um, interesting position here, Luke, will be what happens between now and that purse bid on February 18th. Will ESPN step in? And look, if you're an MMA fan, you're saying, who cares about this boxing business bullshit? Unfortunately, this boxing business bullshit is the headline news and part of the game that we follow. Uh, and that's interesting, Luke, because ESPN did tell Bob, don't put Lomachenko Lopez on pay-per-view. We'll throw in more money to make this a, you know, giant event on ESPN regular. Um, I wonder if ESPN will save it here, Luke. I suspect that they will. I don't think they want him to waltz out of there, but that Aram is this willing to play hardball. I got to tell you, it not, again, historically, it all makes sense. When you watch it in real time, it is a little bit jarring to see someone take such a nakedly hardline position on a moment where you would imagine that kind of feeling. It's not like this is Bud Crawford or some shit. Like, you might be able to do something with this guy. You know, get him out there and make use of it, however it may be. But I guess we'll see. All right. Uh, we'll see if Bob Aram is dead wrong at the end of the day, Luke. Speaking of dead wrong, this is your weekly summit. Uh, weekly summit. Uh, yeah, I guess a summit of, of all the L's you've been wanting us to take all week. Now we'll finally sit on them if it's deserved, Luke. My, my guess is if this is if past this prologue, most of these will be not dead wrong. Let's see. Hey, Luke, there's a live chat in our Zoom that we do during the show to like if you're like, hey, BC, fix your camera yes. or something. Dude, I'm having problems. We need it to says, end this as soon says, as possible. I have to shit so badly, my ass is about to explode. Luke Thomas. All right, Luke, let's see. Let's, yeah, okay, Luke, dead Dude, wrong. Dude, I'm seriously, I'm one. seriously, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the HQ hit if we don't end early. It, okay, this is a problem. I'll, then that would then that would explain your your rudeness before, okay? <laughs> Sorry, you. dude, I'm having problems back here. Uh, here we go. The, the a viewer writes in. Just wanted to point out that a few weeks back, both Luke and BC referred to Spike Carlisle, the UFC fighter who was recently cut, as the Ginger Ninja on multiple occasions, giving zero credit to his much better nickname, the Alpha Ginger. Hmm. Luke, do you have any remorse for this L here? Yeah, there, but there is a ginger ninja. Who is that? Like that—that's uh, we didn't make that nickname up. We may we may have misappropriated. It's a beer I drink, Luke. It's a beer I drink. It's made in Connecticut. Uh, oh, that must be me. it then. Yeah. All right, yeah. we got that one wrong. That's fine. Okay, I'll take the L there. All right, uh, not a huge one, but still writes this viewer at one hour twelve minutes and fifty seconds on Monday, January second's episode. Luke says that Overeem has fought Verdum two times. And beat him in both occasions. Actually, Luke, they fought three times. Three times. The first he got Kamora once, didn't he? Was in Pride in 2006. Yes. Verdum won, and Overeem got the second and third. So they are that's two right. and one, Luke. Take the L, jerk. I will take that L. That's a, that's, that is, you see that? 
deserve it L. Fair enough. <clears throat> All right. Here we go. Final one here, Luke. It's people coming at you. I was watching the UFC recap show of Volkov versus Overeem, and when gloves were mentioned, I thought back to the time that Luke Thomas said in a live chat a couple months ago that he would love to work out with Brian Shaw as he yes. revered him and his lifting abilities. Four, four times is, world's strongest man, yes. It's clear that Luke hates lifting gloves and anyone who wears them. So I would yeah. like Luke to explain why I found a picture of his idol, Brian Shaw, no, you wearing didn't. none other than the very lifting no, gloves Luke no, has disparaged. I, I guarantee you this is wrong. Can we show yes, the of picture? Yes, of course this is wrong. BC, I hope you understand. I am surrounded by amateurs who pretend to have knowledge that they clearly do not. This is, first of all, competition, not training. Show me any footage of him in training with gloves on. You'll never see it. Have you ever seen the pause? Hold on. You ever seen the Let me finish. That's Eddie Hall, and this is for the History Channel. They made him do this. So understand something. This lift, go back to the original one. Go back to the original one. This lift is an engine part for either like a big jet, like a, like a race car or a, a fighter jet, and it's got no real handles, and it's slick. They make them use the gloves just for traction in this one event. He said lifting gloves. BC, look at those gloves. Those are not lifting gloves. Those that is a one-time glove wearing for a one-time event for a one particular apparatus, which is an engine part. Nothing else. Brian Shaw, who I follow on Instagram and YouTube and everything else, matter-of-factly does not wear lifting gloves ever, period. Not now, not then, not tomorrow. Doesn't happen. You amateurs think I don't know what the difference is because to you, this looks like a lifting glove. It's not, and he's not training with it. It's just what they make them wear for this particular uh, event. That's it. Wow. Luke, I've, I, I think that... Because this segment has become so contentious that the people, when, when our producer Mikey tabulates these, I think the, the name and, you know, and, and address or, or social address, to Twitter account handle yes, of the please. person should be on the screen, Luke, so yeah. we can heckle them. I, I agree because, dude, this is not evidence that Brian Shaw trains with lifting gloves, which was the claim. Not, Luke, not remember, even close to being true. Do you remember six foot six NBA point guard from the '90s, Brian Shaw out of UC Santa Barbara? Remember him? Vaguely. He Vaguely. was a he was a guard for the Celtics, Heat, Lakers, a uh, bunch of others. Luke, did you know that Madonna banged him during that run that led to Rodman? And, well, and who didn't others? she bang besides you and me during that run? Yeah, but I mean, Brian Shaw. I mean, like Google him, Brian Shaw. You know, really? Who was the Who was the Aussie center for the Bulls during Wizards? Or sorry, during um, Jordan's Luke Longley? run. Luke Longley. He's the only like worthless big man I can remember. No, 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 no. He had good hands. He could shoot. He could pass. Luke, he was not worthless. Did he? Okay, bro? Was he really that money? He was better than Wennington and Purdue and those other schlobs they had. Okay, come on. 90s right, basketball, get... bro. All right, Luke. We we are going to speed up this exit. By the way, I told you I had it timed perfectly. Uh, you did. You did. Do... Sorry. It's just when your back is about to explode like a jet ski, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta do some things. Luke, just don't die because we have really big plans for this show. And who the hell am I going to do this show with? I mean, come on, bro. All right. Yeah, you could you could do it with. Um, I don't know. Must be some people out there in MMA you like besides me. I love that guy with the hat. That guy's the best. Yeah, he's right? good. Uh, he's all, he's all right. Luke's like, yeah, he's fuck. He's fuck. He's he ain't me. He ain't Luke Thomas, right? Hey, he listen, ain't about to shit his pants. He's wonderful. He's right? wonderful. How many people have to shit their pants on a daily basis? 
All right, let's touch the tips to close it. Every Friday with the orange background and no J, this is what we do. We shout out a recommendation, a tip of the cap, a warning. Here's your free tip. Luke, I'll go first. Uh, you know, because you've been in my orange 2020 Subaru Crosstrek, that I love me some Sirius XM radio. Luke, I listen to it on the app. I got it on my stereo up here. I'm living. I'm loving it. Channel 27 is normally deep tracks, Luke. One of my favorite channels. Goes back to 60s rock, pulls out some album filler tracks that you forgot about. Right now, for a limited time, Channel 27 is the Jimi Hendrix channel. And Luke, that actually matters. Why? Not just because the, the Jimi Hendrix experience, and Jimi Hendrix is my favorite artist of all time in music, but because their library is very well protected by the family, by Hendrix's extended family that that you know own his uh, his name and, and his legacy. You don't see Hendrix songs on YouTube, for example, right? They get shut down instantly. So, uh, fun time to be alive if you have the old XM. All right, put on the old Jimi Hendrix channel and rock out. Okay, Luke, that's some serious art. All right, bro. That, that is some art all over your face. Uh, we, we love that uh, for me it's very e- easy you can go to sundaylongread.com you should subscribe to the Sunday Long Read why? every Sunday uh, these people look around the internet for a series of articles there's many in there 20 to 30 sometimes and they tell you how long it takes to read it and what it's about and why you should care and there'll be some stuff in there you just never read because you can't get to all of it. There'll be some stuff that you focus on and, and, and you know, some stuff you never even thought you'd care about and you might. But the key is the curation that goes into the topics that are selected is really next level. If you want to understand the, the big stuff that's going on in society, they're good about that. And then also these little weird, nifty kind of different angles you never would have anticipated. It's all free. You don't have to pay a single dime for it. They have extra clubs inside if you want that extra stuff. But honestly, I've never paid for it, and I get tons of good reading out of it every single weekend. You cannot go wrong. So go to sundaylongread.com and uh, subscribe. It will show up in your inbox, and you'll be much more informed for it. I love it. Couldn't make it a give a give Couldn't give it a stronger recommendation. Love it, love it. Tell him Luke sent you, by the way. All right, that's your show for the week. Luke has to shit his pants, and we are all hoping his gallbladder... Adjust. Luke, what? if you had surgery, would you be out for a while? No, I would be... At 9 a.m. was the surgery would be. I'd be I'd be home by 1 or 2 p.m. Hold, you know, rested oh. up that day. I'd be ready to go the next day. Luke, would you consider having this done while you're there? Just two for the price of one, you know? You know what? Uh, three needles? I'm not afraid of three needles like some guys I know. Yeah, I don't know. No, well, I'm not hey, going to get my hey, ball snipped. We should live stream that. Oh, Morning Combat Donkeymentary 2.0. I hear. I hear next week. So get ready for that. Please check out all our bonus content interviews with Adrian Broner, Macy Barber, Corey Sanhagen, and a lot more to come from that. Also, Room Service Diaries. We hit you with that on Wednesday if you missed it. Our extended coverage of the Bellator announcement. Some good interviews in there. We saw the tease today. Uh, there is our social handles. If you want to send in a dead wrong or you want to send in a fan submission, please. Morning Combat at Gmail. Dot com is the address to do that. A lot of people DM me. He's going, BC, I finally got my sweatshirt. I want to send in a pic. All right, bro? Send it in right there to the email. You can DM me if you need to. Uh, also, look, guys, it's time for showtime. And I know a lot of people, oh, God, that means BC and, and Luke going to shill hard for Bellator. Bro, Bellator's got some badass cards coming up in an eight-man light heavyweight tournament. You best believe, as an MMA fan, I'm going to shill hard because they're going to matter. So why don't you watch this for free, 30 days trial at showtime.com. Also, an introductory deal for new subscribers, six months at, what, $4.99 a pop per month? Uh, you're going to get Bellator season. You're going to get the boxing. You're going to get action. 
action is a good series. Watch that. Uh, Luke Thomas uh, merch. Luke, yep. which merch you, do you wear the most? Which one? The which one sweatshirts. You... The sweatshirts. Okay. Okay. No, that's not true. I use the mugs and the tumblers almost every day. So I got to say that is what I use the most. Okay. I wear this a lot when I go to the hardware store. You know, when I go to the recycling center, Luke, this is what I wear a lot. Okay. It's my dad hat. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can check out our work on CBS Sports HQ this weekend before, during, after the pay-per-view. Luke, I'll have, a live, doing a, I'll live? have a live post-fight show here on Morning Combat. Check that out Saturday after the fights end. All right. That is all for Luke Thomas's bowels. My name is Brian Campbell reminding you. Luke and BC definitely making it look easy, but shout out to everybody behind the scenes for making this train work. Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports, uh, Gaff and Manich on the producing ones and twos. Is Jay coming back? What, Jay? Jay who? Never heard can, can of him. Please, dude, I'm seriously, I'm about, I'm about to just start shitting blood. We got to do I'm this. I'm trying to see if, if we can, I'm trying to see if we can capture that moment, right? It's going to be real. I'm going to take a picture and send right? it to you when this is all over. All right. May all your uh, your your hoes, uh, yeah, loyal up. That's it. Uh, for Luke Thomas on BC with two words. We out.